What is going on, everybody? My name is Andy Francis, and this is the debut episode of a podcast I'm creating called You're Still Here. If you don't know who I am, I am an actor, comedian, content creator, whatever one of these labels you want to slap on I me. Mean, I like saying performer. Just don't call me an influencer because I don't go to the beach, take a picture, and then say, hey, I'm creating content. You got to love that, by the way. When you see an influencer post a picture or something where, I don't know, they're just sitting there in a bikini, like at the beach eating a sandwich, and they go, oh, uh, you know, working on new content. Uh, no, it's, it's called you just took a picture at the beach. When my mom took us to the beach as kids and she took a picture she didn't say, hey, kids, let's get together and create content. We, we don't flip through content books. No, but that's what they do. So like I said, uh, this is called You're Still Here. Now, it's a very interesting story about the name of this because I had named it this a few weeks ago, and I'd planned to start this podcast a few weeks ago, and that term you're still here is referring to my own personal refusal to throw in the towel in the entertainment industry. I've been at it a long time. Haven't exactly got where I wanted to go so far. I refuse to throw in the towel. Hence the term you're still here. Like I pictured myself at an agent's door, like knocking on there, like, Hey, can I get this meeting? And they're like, Oh my God, you're still here. However, two weeks ago, uh, the worst thing humanly imaginable happened to me. And, uh, my older brother passed away. And it really brought a whole new meaning to that term, you're still here. It just solidified that that's definitely what I'm going to call it because it's got two meanings now. Like, oh, you're still here? You're still at this? And Mike, you're still here through me and this show. Now, speaking of you're still here and what's going on with my brother, a lot of people, my family, friends, especially my close family members have been telling me, God, you know, I feel Mike's energy around. I, I can feel him. He's showing himself in all sorts of ways. And I really, I'm just being honest with you. I haven't been feeling that. I, I turned on an AM radio when I was flicking through the channels, listening to the static. Like I could hear him, like maybe if he was trying to tell me something, like Michael Keaton's wife in White Noise. I turned on that radio. All I heard was Dom LaGreca's fat ass talking about the Jets tanking. But to be honest with you, I don't, I don't want to see some like afterlife version of my brother showing up around here. I've watched too many horror movies. Like I don't picture my brother coming back like Patrick Swayze in Ghost. I picture my brother coming back like Kevin Bacon in Hollow Man, just running into hot girls' rooms watching them. Oh, my God, Mike, I'm sorry. Oh, my God. Oh, man. My uh, my older brother and I, we used to uh, watch a good amount of horror movies. I liked them way more than he did, but we always joked about Pet Cemetery. Especially Pet Cemetery Two, when Gus comes back, the cop who comes back when he's got the the towel around his neck and he just uh, with the mashed potatoes at the dinner table. It's definitely funny if you haven't seen it or scary depending on your your personality type. But I also want to say there is a zero percent chance that I would ever bring my brother to Pet Cemetery, even if it did exist, because. Let me tell you something. My brother was one of the scariest sleepers you could ever imagine. Recently. <laughs> Recently. <laughs> Yo, my family called me a vampire for years. So it's, I was already a vampire. 
I was even thinking about getting some vampire teeth for myself. I've had friends sleep over, and my brother actually happened to sleep over at the same time. My friends, who are you know pretty grizzled, tough guys, said that my brother sleeping literally was terrifying. So the first thing he does that's scary, but I guess he can handle this, is he curses in his sleep. He'll just drop random loud curses. It's pretty terrifying when somebody's 6'4 and jacked. However, this next thing I'm about to tell you is really what brings it to another level. I promise you that what I'm about to tell you is the truth. This is real. My brother has done this in multiple locations, apartments, houses. This is not fake. And I know you're going to think that I'm just saying this for the show, but I swear to you he does this. My older brother sleep eats and specifically he sleepwalks to the kitchen it could be your house you he's never been there before he while he's sleeping there is a chance not every night will sleepwalk to your kitchen and sleep find the peanut butter if you don't have peanut butter then i don't know what he goes to next but he will find the peanut butter and he will crush it He will eat the majority of it with utensils sometimes, without utensils other times. But the scariest thing is he leaves a trail of peanut butter fingerprints on the cabinets and on his way out. It looks like a peanut butter crime scene by the time he goes back to bed. And once again, I know you're thinking this isn't possible, but I promise you, why would I make up something so stupid? My older brother did that. He sleep ate peanut butter and sleep found peanut butter. So yeah, that I'm not bringing back from pet cemetery. Cause if that's what he did now, what do you think he'd be sleep eating coming back from pet cemetery? <laughs> like I said, I watch too many horror movies. Like in the corner of this studio, I picture like me shutting off the lights and then I look in the corner and I see him like the grandma and hereditary just standing there. He wasn't there. So my family's trying to deal with things the best we can. Um, a lot of people have been reaching out to us, which it really, it feels good. It feels good. It feels like you have support. My younger brother was telling me, all his friends, everybody he knows reaching out to him, lending their support. He even told me, oh, this girl was like one of the hottest girls I know reached out to me and said, oh, my God, like, is there anything I can do? And I told him, ask her to hang out. I'm like, you're never going to get a chance like this. See what she says. Because in my opinion, a hot girl will use every excuse in the book. However, I was like, it takes a different kind of evil to offer yourself out there. Like, hey, I'm sorry you're going through this. Do you need anything? I don't think she'll say no to hanging out. I don't think they want to look in the mirror at themselves and say, Jesus, this person's in the worst situation ever. And I I offered to do something. And then when he asked me to hang out, I said no. I was like, even they would have a hard time looking in the mirror. So what do you think she did? Oh, I I actually have to pick my grandma up from the airport. And then, uh, oh, uh, I got to go back to school tomorrow. Yep. I wasn't sure. Look, I would have said there's not a chance in hell. But for this, even I was like, I think they might. Nope. Nope. Now, look, I'll say right away, what we did is super scummy. However, I know my older brother. He would demand that we use this to try to talk to somebody hot. 
she weaseled her way out. Now, look, we're dirtbags for doing that. But on the dirtbag scale, I'd say she was slightly more of a dirtbag. Like in that movie, Fifty Fifty, with um, Seth Rogen and Joseph Gordon-Levitt, isn't there a scene because Joseph Gordon-Levitt has, I believe, a cancer diagnosis and he has a fifty percent chance of living? And Seth Rogen encourages him, "Dude, you got to go get those sympathy bangs." If anybody is interested in sympathy bangs, feel free to DM me at any point in time, and I will carefully consider. I'm just playing. I'm not. Of course I am. Not. As far as I go, same type of thing. A lot of people have been reaching out to me saying, is there anything that I can do for you? Just let me know if there's any. I'm really, I'm just going to take somebody up on one of these offers. Hey, man, can, can you give me a ride to the Catskills? Can, can you just give me a ride to upstate New York? <laughs> you think somebody's just going to drop what they're doing and actually do it? No, <laughs> no. But I really, I'm I'm thinking about, you know, calling out someone just to see, put them on the spot. So my family was able to get through the holidays. We actually had as pleasant of an experience as you possibly can. And, you know, we reminisced about uh, Mike on Christmas. There were many different Mikes on Christmas. Young Mike was greedy. Like he wanted the best gift. If I got a better gift than him, he'd be very angry. One time he, he hit me for getting a better gift than he got. Like it was somehow my fault. I asked for a better gift. We both got the gifts we asked for. I asked for a better one and got it, and then he got mad at me. Uh, Then, during maybe the late teens into the 20s, he did this thing where he just bought me the gift that he wanted or something that he wanted. Like he'd buy a pair of Jordans for me that he wanted, and then... His legendary line was, a gift we all can enjoy. That was his big thing. It's a gift we can all enjoy, a.k.a. he can have them. What's interesting, though, during his later years, he completely reversed that. He was super selfless. He didn't want anything, which is interesting how those kind of changes can take place. Um, I do remember something on Christmas a few years back. It was one of the funniest things ever. Now, my older brother, he could make me giggle a good amount, but he didn't make me die laughing a lot. And on this Christmas, he killed me so bad. So he got into a huge fight with his girlfriend, borderline not even talking on Christmas morning. So Christmas morning comes along. Now, she had wanted this jacket. He planned on getting her the jacket. He got her the jacket. That was the Christmas gift. She got one for him. But because he was in hot water with her, he tried to buy his way out of trouble. That's what he tried to do. So he did what I would say is one of the dumbest things you can do. He just tried to buy her some expensive jewelry without knowing what it is that she likes specifically. Jewelry is one of those things. You have to know specifically what somebody likes. The odds of you guessing what a girl likes, jewelry-wise, 6% maybe. But there goes my brother. Tries buying her some earrings. So we're exchanging gifts. She opens the jacket. Genuine excitement because it's something that she wanted. Like, oh, my God, Mike. Oh, my God. Thank you. You you know, obviously they were fighting, but it's Christmas morning. So you can kind of tuck it to the side a little bit. Thank you so much. Blah, blah, blah. Then my mom and me exchange gifts. 
and it comes back around at the end. Mike's Mike brings out his second gift, the extra gift, the one that's going to get him out of trouble. And she opens it. She looks at the jewelry and she did the best she could. I can't blame her. She's not Meryl Streep, but she tried to fawn and fake that excitement. But Mike knew. Mike knew. And he's like, you don't like that. She's like, no, what do you, what do you, no, I, I love it. I, I love these earrings. And then he said a line that is so funny that the room was dead silent, but I just immediately started dying laughing. He goes, your level of excitement now clearly doesn't match that of when you opened the jacket. And she literally had nothing to say. There was nothing to say because it was the most correct statement I've ever heard. And she just essentially had to accept it. And I I live for things like that. And the way he put it, it was articulate too. I think the wording was your level of excitement clearly doesn't match that of when you opened the jacket. And I just busted out laughing. That is so funny. And uh, that's one that I'll, I'll always remember. And I'll use in the future. If I give someone two gifts, I'm going to be matching excitement levels. I'll know which one you don't like. You know, Midnight Mass was the thing that we did when we were younger. Um, when my brother and I went to church, so many times they say things, and then you say things back. <laughs> That's how it works. For example, a classic one that you should know is like, Peace be with you. And also with you. Name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Amen. But there's longer ones that we just didn't know. We didn't know these these things. Like uh, when uh, when the guy goes to the water and then he did it for you, and then everyone goes like, but the thing is, they read it in this like weird low robot voice. So my brother and I used to just mumble gibberish like Billy Madison. So like, oh, they used to go to the water and did it for you. Now, remember, everyone else is actually saying the words. But within that, we would go. Look, that's not I'm not saying that's good, but that's what we did. So Christmas was, like I said, better than expected. And now. We can look forward to New Year's. New Year's is not one of my holidays. I'm a big Halloween guy. I'm not a New Year's guy. New Year's guy, New Year's brings about a lot of guys that you don't want to see. Now, the first are the ones that you've heard about, the one they advertise, the, what do they call them? The, the amateur, it's amateur hour when people who don't drink go out. But how about the guy who tells you, like, maybe your barber or something on, on the way out on December 20th when he goes, hey, James. I'll see you next year. But that guy's not too bad. He's just trying to be nice. We'll allow him to be a hacky comic. Somebody that I have more of an issue with is the person who takes to social media to let you know about the wholesale changes that are about to take place in their life. And they do that by telling you, new year, new me. Yeah. Yep. It is a new year. And it is a new you. An even worse version of the you that you knew you had to change in the first place. New year, new you. That kind of is not too dissimilar to people who wait 
to start their diet on the new year because nothing spells I want to get in shape and diet like waiting until the first to do it. I'm sure that's going to work out well because you know what happens. It's it's New Year's Eve and then that person's usually drinking and you're drinking past 12, which means your first activity of this new year was to break your New Year's resolution. So then the next day you're hungover, so you're eating bagels and hangover food. So then what do you become? You become that person who goes, no, 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 I meant the first Monday after the New Year. That's when my New Year's resolution starts because that's going to work. I want to know how many diets that started the first Monday on New Year's lasted until Valentine's Day. Speaking of New Year's, going out on New Year's is the biggest scam there is. Everybody knows it. If you've been out on New Year's, what do they do? They sell you tickets. Oh, yeah, $50 tickets. $80 $80 tickets, but don't worry. Top shelf, all you can drink. Yeah, what, th- what that means is maybe you can have $1 Georgie. I promise you. Go say, oh, cool. cool. Uh, shots of Grey Goose. They'll say, sure, short thing. How many? Four. Okay, $250. So you pay for the tickets, and then somehow you go to a, a bar or a club that normally on a random Saturday is open till 4 in the morning. But on New Year's, somehow, they kick everyone out at 1. It closes three hours earlier than a place, than any other night, when it would be open till 4. And you have to pay for tickets for top-shelf service. And if you're not tipping the bartender, let's say they do honor the top-shelf open bar. How often is that bartender going to be looking you at a jam-packed bar unless you're smacking them $20 every time? You are literally $700 in the hole. And then when you're so miserable that you realize no one wants to meet somebody on New Year's, so they just go out with friends, and then now you're just a person who met nobody, you want to go home because they kicked you out at one even though they're not allowed to do that, and it's freezing outside because it's New Year's Eve. You go to get a cab. And how many of those are available after midnight on New Year's? Oh, that's right. So you have to pay that 9x Uber rate, and your New Year's Eve just cost you $2,000. And what did you get? Bottom shelf liquor and a big jerk-off session. So, Mike, I don't know if you're seeing this right now. It would be nice to think that you are. I don't know if you have service uh, up there or in purgatory or you know wherever they put you. Uh, but I would hope so. I hope I hope they have the gold package where you get the extra cable channels and maybe they have a smart TV so you can see this on YouTube. But uh, I'm going to miss you. And I got your Petrovich jersey hanging up there. And uh, know that I love you. Man, I love you. <laughs> Yo, I was even thinking about getting some vampire teeth for myself, all right? I'm gonna go up to him, this is what I'm gonna say. David, my name is Mike, and call him David. They call him his real name, David Heath. David, my name is Mike, I'm a big fan, you know, watched you a lot growing up as a kid. You think that he would be offended? Be like, yo, you know, I'm the only one that fangs and bangs around this town. I said, I'm doing it. <laughs>